Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Chaz, welcome to the show. David Lee Scales, can you hear me? I can. Can you hear loud air conditioning? No, it's a, I this can't. is this is great. This is the uh, Zen room at uh, the the cliff at Snowbird. Have you been here? Snowbird? I don't think so. You, have you shredded Utah? Yeah, but uh, started when I was very young. I actually learned how to ski in Utah at Park City, and um, I've gone back like once or twice in more recent years. So that's about it. When are you going to get Austin on skis? Uh, as soon as possible. Yeah, it's such a gift parents can give to the children, I think. Yeah, I do too. So when did you start, Hemi? Oh, I think she was three. Uh, yeah. Maybe late two. Yeah, I think three. We're going to do a trip to the mountains uh, probably this month or next, but I don't think we're going to try to get him on skis. He's just learning how to walk, so. I mean, I figure even time and slipping and sliding in the snow, it's valuable. Yeah, I agree. Um, are you there just on vacation? Uh, yeah, <clears throat> here, I mean, it was a planned planned sort of ski week, but uh, coincided, I guess, unfortunately, with the passing of Ken Block, who was wife's great friend. So they're over here in Park City. So I think she's headed over there uh, sooner than later. Let's go ahead and get into that. It's been a tragic week, actually, uh, to open up the new year. Horribly tragic week. Really crazy. Today, just, I mean, an hour and a half ago, 
news broke that um, there was a death at Nazare from a 47-year-old surfer, Marcio Ferreri, I suppose is his, how you pronounce his name. He's Brazilian. Um, but let's start with Ken Block, since that's closely related to you. Quote, action sports icon and founder of DC Shoes, Ken Block, killed in snowmobile accident near his Utah home. He was a legend, bigger than life, making his death, making his shock death hours ago that much greater, end quote. Who was Ken Block as he relates to you and your family? I mean, Ken Block is, of course, a absolute legend in the action sports space, founded DC Shoes, was a pro snowboarder, um, and then, of course, went on to mass motorsport fame with his Gymkhana series. Did you ever watch any of the Gymkhanas? I did. That's... I mean, I knew of him from this DC thing, but I never followed his pro surf. I'm sorry, pro snowboard, or wasn't he a pro skater too? I think it, at a at a super low level he was. Yeah, uh, yeah. But he he was so real like he was really a pro snowboarder and then motorsport. Okay, yeah. So I kind of had awareness of him, but the Jim Connor thing is where I really paid attention to, and it was insane. Yeah, wild what he did, and I mean he was yeah so. You know, I think especially when he started out in action sports and, and my wife uh, has, of course, been in it forever, too. And it, it really is a small family. The, the people who, you know, I mean, what they were basically second generation of people who were snowboarding and, you know, not skateboarding or surfing necessarily. But in terms of those things all getting big at the same time, it was right then. And so there was only... it's a tiny community and so yeah wife was great friends with ken and lucy his wife and you know i've uh, had the privilege of going on a couple trips with ken uh we went to japan with his family and he was just such a epic uh father and husband like he was you know obviously and as an extreme as a driver and everything he did you know all this crazy stunts and rally and all of that was epic but yeah, I mean, when we were in Japan, I think daughter was three when we were over there. And uh, yeah, like she just, you know, gravitated toward Ken. You just picked her up and flipped around all day. Uh, like, I don't know, the, she loved him. And that, I think that's, his kids are epic. Like, that's what he was at the end of the day. And besides all the stuff that people know him for is just like a committed husband and wonderful father and his daughter I think is 16 and she's coming up racing now too and yeah so I mean just a huge of course somebody who does uh the things he you know jumping cars and driving crazy I I guess death is never too far away but the way it happened right I mean he was in his yard snowmobiling like on his property snowmobiling that's as simple as that like broke away from he was with a pack of guys they're out snowboarding. He broke away. Uh, and then just, you know, absolute freak accident of snowboard flipping, landing on top of him. And that was it. Snowmobile. Snowmobiles. Yeah. Sorry. So do you know anything more about the accident itself? Was he going off of a jump or something? I mean, with any, no, any report was, on that? Nope. There was nothing. I mean, it, it is dumped in Utah, right? It's dumping right now is set to dump more tonight it's been like everywhere i thought not everywhere but california too is just getting hammered with snow and uh yeah it's just been a ton of snow and honestly the what i would do is just breaking off to get back home and you know broke off from the group he was with to get back home nothing crazy at all and i don't know if anybody knows what happened 
And then his friends, pr- presumably he doesn't get home. So those friends go out looking for him and they find him under a snowmobile. I, I mean, I think that's it. It's insane. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just, she's so tragic. And, you know, I mean, I suppose not that there's a silver lining, but the community does, you know, it being so small really does rally around him and his family. So I think there's a lot of love and care right now in Park City for him. And yeah, uh, you know, just, I mean, but how does, I, I mean, it's devastating. It's devastating. I don't know. He froze. That was for a minute there. Um, I just the last thing I heard you say was that it's devastating. But do, how many kids does he have? Three. How, do you know how old he was? The old how old he was or how old they are? He was. He was fifty-five. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's always tragic, but it's extra. Tr- it's extra, I guess, shocking to the system because he's like an action sports he's an action hero. You know what I mean? Like he seems indestructible. So to have something like that happen just feels really bizarre. Yeah. I mean, it really honestly like was an absolute gut punch of, yeah. I mean, I don't even know. Uh, Yeah. That we, I guess toy, not we, but in our, in the spaces we work with, it's ever present kind of, but it, doesn't lessen the blow at all and you know even with yeah i mean i guess flipping over to the to the brazilian guy who died at nazare like of course nazare is a crazy way right and it's amazing that people don't die there all the time this is the first recorded death but and it's no kook right i mean this guy was a was a jaws surfer he's been nominated for the ride of the year before you know was towing i think as far as the initial reports was towing with lucas chumbo so yeah. part of the core crew and something goes wrong and it's over. You said in the space that we're in, it's kind of ever present. I actually think it's the opposite of that. I feel like it, it feels um, you start to feel, I don't know, a certain amount of, um, I don't know what, what's the word impunity, you know, because it doesn't happen that very often. And people who aren't in the space probably look at Nazare or look at Jim Connor and think, oh my gosh, people are probably dying there every year. And the reality is it's very, very rare that somebody dies in that space. So you almost forget how serious it is. And um, so to have something like that happen, you, you're reminded how delicate life is actually. It's true. And how much, I mean, I feel in across our our shared spaces kind of from snowboarding to uh surfing to skateboarding to motor to everything right like the the feats that that these you know almost you're right like that's what is weird about they seem superhuman because everybody they're jumping crazy high on motorcycles snowboarders are going out into crazy backwoods places and hucking off cliffs and surfers are you know finding bigger and bigger waves to paddle into the, but you're exactly right. Like you don't, the feats of like incredible audacity grow leaps and bounds. It seems almost every year. And yet, of course there are 
you know, I think especially in snowboarding, I mean, I think avalanches are a real, real bummer and take out, I think probably snowboarders are closer to death than anyone else in action sport, but the, like it doesn't happen that much. And it, I mean, you're exactly right. You almost develop a sense of, well, this doesn't happen, but man, yeah. I mean, but it does. And to, to hit twice in less than a week. Yeah. Is insane. Um, I mean, and also, also, I guess even not to tie in too many loose ends here, but the bills football player, like oh, football yeah. is such a violent game and you would think watching them play that, Oh yeah. Somebody's dying, you know, once a year there, but you know, and this guy who cardiac arrest on the field, of course didn't die, but you would think that sort of thing would happen all the time. So oddly, yeah, the start of 2023 seems very, very somber or really, so, yeah, at least reflective. It really does. Um, just to give a little bit more background to Ken Block, um, co-founder of DC Shoes. So the way that I think about him when I was thinking about kind of his various chapters in his professional career is I can't think of somebody who may have shifted more cultures or even developed cultures more than him singularly because DC shoes uh, really from my understanding kind of pioneered the technical skate shoe prior to DC shoes, people would wear vans to skate. That was probably the best known skate shoe but it was a real basic shoe. And then people would wear regular street shoes. DC was like the first one that engineered a shoe for skating. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, I think so. And on the very, at least on the very early cusp of that, and then flipping to surf and how they built their surf team and stuff. Remember, I mean, of course, from Dane Reynolds to, you know, Bruce, did Andy ever ride for DC? I think he did, right? They kicked, they kicked off the team with Bruce, Andy, and Shane Dorian. Yeah, I mean, which earth earth shaking in terms of what happened to surf culture through DC through a skate shoe company, right? Exactly, and I mean, then event eventually they were purchased by Quicksilver. So a lot of the Quicksilver guys, like Dane Reynolds, ended up riding for DC as well. But um, he really did again shift and curate culture in that way, and then of course in the moto space in a similar way in rally car racing and then in Jim Connor. So it built a bunch of brands as well along the way. So it really is, you couldn't extract him from, he's woven into the tapestry of all of those things, his influences. I mean, so much so. And so I think that's why it hit, of course, everyone in the space, I think really hard, like watching my wife, you know, just weep from, hearing it because you know the again it was family it was a small family they were all around when you know the industry in air quotes was tiny you know it was like yeah. a was like a weird party in las vegas and this that and the, like they were all together all the time and yeah now you know somebody at the very center of it so violently ripped away it's it's i think it's difficult for all of everyone who was there you know, much less even people who were on the real periphery of thinking of who he is, but the people who were there, I think it's, it's been devastating. And I think at least they have each other. You mentioned in your article, kind of what you're talking about now, which is processing. How do you even begin to process such a tragedy, I think is what you said. And uh, that's the question I posed to you. Has, uh, have your encounters with death gotten 
more poignant or more impactful as you've gotten older? And how do you process them as you get older? I mean, I think that was really, I was flippant about it when I was younger, right? I think I was too. And trying to get bombed and stuff like that. Like you feel Teflon, I think when you're younger and uh, my thinking about death now is, is of course, none about my own possible death, but just thinking about, man, how like the, the weight of somebody you love moving on. And I don't like anything you can say about it seems trite or cliche. And I suppose that, you know, people could think it's trite and cliche, but I suppose being a Christian for me, gives me a comfort at the end, not in a, oh, well, they're going to heaven. So it's cool kind of way, but just a, I don't know, a piece that passes understanding, I suppose. It's not the end. It's part of just a bigger picture. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was flipping. I don't think I was flipping about death when I was younger. I just think that I um, didn't have a lot of emotional depth when I was younger. I didn't really feel that many feelings, you know? And so um, when, I don't know, I've had family members pass away. I think there's been times where I didn't even cry about it, you know, where I just wasn't, I didn't have access to my emotions. So it didn't really hit me that hard. And I understood it on an intellectual level, but I could also intellectualize that it is part of life. And so it just didn't emotionally affect me so much, but I certainly feel now at 41, the weight of those things in ways that I don't know how to process really, you know, it just feels so, um, it doesn't make sense. It used to make sense. It doesn't make sense to me anymore. Well, that, I mean, the only thing I think I, I was thinking about Ken's family, right. That the day, I mean, my wife heard within hours of his passing, you know, well before it was public, uh, and thinking of, you know, on the plane ride out here, thinking of his family going through that within the hours, right. And then going to sleep that night and waking up to, you you know, I've had days before where you wake up and wish that that it was all just a nightmare and you're awake now, but wondering how long that goes on for, but I suppose, you know, as cliche as any cliche, the time heals thing, but I suppose that's it's waking up one morning after another, after another, after another. And, you know, that that's what I think in this space, you know, uh, I'm family friends again, thanks to the wife with, you know, Sherry McConkey who lost Shane McConkey, her husband in a, you know, ski base jumping accident. And there's, uh, you know, I have a bunch of these people I'm looking at the, in my sphere and looking at them, looking at the wives, you know, and thinking, how do you do it? But they all looking at them and they've all done it right there. There's a, there is some way through like life does go on. Yeah. I, you're right. Time doesn't fully heal it. The the reality is you're always altered from that point on, you know, it's a flashpoint where everything is different afterwards. And so, yeah, I think that time does heal the pain maybe of it and a a certain amount of the sorrow, but, and maybe, maybe part of that being altered part in the future is that you have a deeper understanding of things. Maybe things become more meaningful. Maybe things become more poignant. Um, and you're carrying with you a certain amount of sorrow you never cared before, but that could also create a deeper understanding of things, man, but you really are 
that's part of such a sorority fraternity of because there is there's a group I, you know I know a group of particularly women who have lost their action sporty husbands and to be part of that group would both be devastating but there is a group right? well, there is people who have been there before because I have I can't uh, but there is comfort out there, I suppose. Yeah. You know who I think about a lot is the parents. Like it's, you don't think about parents as much when somebody's a, in their fifties, but he probably does have parents who are still alive. And the thought of losing a kid is the most tragic thing for any parent, regardless of what age that kid is. That's something that is a true, uh, it's like, in, it's inhumane. It feels. Yeah. Oh, Man, yeah, gut punchy, gut punchy start to 2023. And to this show, but it is what it is. Um, so Nazare claims the first, its first fatality, which is surprising that this is the first, but the victim was an experienced big wave surfer, Marcio Ferreri. Do you know how to pronounce that last name in Brazilian or Portuguese? And there was, I had a, the name goofed up in my beach grid story. Like four, I kept having to go back because there's different, in both Portuguese, the Portuguese press, and Billabong has it one way. And so, yeah, I have no, Mar, Marcio Ferreira. Yeah, I, I can't even try. It's F-R-E-I-R-E, -E. Uh, Ferreri, let's just say, I'll say. Uh, Marcio Ferreri, in, an experienced surfer who has been frequenting, frequenting Jaws uh, for a very long time. It looked, from what I could tell, like he's been surfing Jaws for maybe about 20 years. So the accident happened today in Nazare at 4 p.m. their time. Um, he was surfing with Lucas Chumbo, toe surfing with Lucas Chumbo and others. The 47-year-old, uh, actually, I'm also I pulled from a couple of different places. This says that he actually paddled into this wave, but whatever the case was, he fell and then just had an extraordinarily long hold down. So he was wearing an impact vest, but it was not inflatable. So he was held down for a very long time. The rescue alarm was recorded 16 minutes later at 416. Resuscitation efforts were made on the beach, but he was already in a state of cardio uh, respiratory arrest and he was declared dead on the beach. And uh, again, this is the first surf-related casualty at Nazare. Which again is amazing when you look at what people are doing out there and so, you know, how many things can go wrong, not just from the wave itself, but from the crowds and, you know, you have skis running around and all, I mean, any of those drones from Nazare or Jaws or anywhere where they're going off, right? It's a full on circus out there. And yeah, like the fact that it hasn't happened is wild, but the fact that it did happen is crushing. Yeah. There's no amount of rescue or, um, rescue teams, preventative stuff that you could put in place at a certain point. I think all of those things are obviously helpful and probably have saved some lives, but that spot, uh, pipeline, Waimea, certain spots around the world are just deadly. There's no amount that you could really, you know, even if you had inflation, if it could be the impact from the wipeout could render you unconscious very easily. And then you're underwater. And even if you have a vest on, it's not necessarily going to float you up chest up, you know? And so you could drown even with the inflatable. 
Well, and with all the advancements in this kinds of stuff too, you wonder how much further people push it with, you know, like where you have totally. something that will help you. And so then sweet, I can push it even farther, which is the people who do that amazing for them. And the people who are watching that amazing for us, right? Like this, nobody settling with, okay, you know, we finally reached what we can do, which is paddling, you know, whatever, paddling choke. That's like the pinnacle of what humans can do. So, you know, we're not going to surf jaws anymore. We're not going to, you know, the, the human desire to climb the next highest peak and then see a higher one and go climb that is pretty remarkable, I suppose. It really is. But like you said, a lot of those things create a false sense of security because ultimately it's still insecure, you know? Yeah. I mean, seeing the, speaking of, I guess, the, the uh, did you see the wipeout at YMF, the cuckoo took off and just straight up went straight? Yeah, I, the, the photos are ridiculous. I mean, how are you, that's the other thing. Like, so with the life-saving, with the, you know, ski teams and the inflatable vests and all this kind of stuff, you know, that's one thing for Nazare where, and or Jaws or whatever, where, you know, chances are you're not going to get a full kook out there. But in your day, did you ever think you would see a kook at Waimea? No. Or like, pipeline. Pipeline yeah. for that matter. I know. Kooks, full kook. Like that guy, I don't know who he is. He clearly wasn't a, I mean, the fact that the Hawaiian Water Patroller, whoever called him out, means that he wasn't like a, a guy who belonged, right? Clearly. And, but enough skill to take off and go straight. But you've got to have a lot more than that out there. You got to have sense of where people are. You, like the, the, his inability to turn. Like when you zoom in on his face, do you look at his face? Yeah. Have you zoomed in on the photo where it's just like, oops? <laughs> like, yeah. are well, you kidding me? So that's a really interesting one. Um, so Hawaii's been overrun now for a long time, but these last couple of years, there's been a lot of these stories where the locals are completely upset about uh not only the crowds but unqualified people in the crowds getting in the way and stuff and so big wave surfing is one of those things where you don't have to be that talented at surfing to go straight on a big board and it takes a lot of balls and but you know there's plenty of professional big wave surfers that we've seen who then try to ride a four foot wave at a point break and you and i kind of are like it's kind of a kook, you know yeah. what I mean? Like he's actually not, I, in my young brain, I just thought that you had to become a better and better and better and better surfer until ultimately you then have access to big waves. And you surf that's what? Yeah, that's really not what it is. And so you get people who have moderate amount of talent, mediocre talent, but have a lot of balls. And more important than that, or more telling than that is they have a lot of hubris. And that's part of our culture today is everybody just thinks they're badass and they're, they're underqualified, but they think that they're overqualified. And that's why they're paddling out at spots like that. And they don't listen to reason. So when the locals or the lifeguards or whoever do try to appropriately shame them, they don't listen. They think they're their, think they're their own king, you know? I mean, this is, the, this is the second time that's been made public on the North Shore, the incident uh, that we touched on in the show however many weeks ago of the Kook at Pipeline who paddled out and couldn't duck dive and almost knocked somebody's head off with his board. 
and then this kook who can take off on a wave and only go straight. Uh, I mean, so that's somebody's going to die on a totally preventable death in Hawaii on like not a crazy wave just because some kook thought they belonged out there. That's exactly. Well, I don't know if you remember, but last year when we did a year end show and I did a, we were doing predictions. I specifically predicted that there would be a death at Nazare. And the reason I said, even in my rationale at that time, I said, it's going to be because of that. It's going to be because a bunch of people who think that they're qualified are going to be out there and they're going to either get killed or they're going to create enough chaos that somebody else is going to get killed. And in this instance in uh, Waimea, that's exactly what it was. Um, The surfer who ended up in the hospital, his name is Chris Owens, and he's he's lived there, I guess. I'd never heard of him before, but I was able to click around and read a bit about him. It's just a working class dude but North Shore Charger. And he's lived there for what looks like a decade or two. And he's got photos posted of himself surfing all the big wave spots for, you know, underground charger, no stickers on his board or anything like that. But he's been putting in putting in his time. The guy who burned him, which of course, it's hard to say burned him because a lot of people go on a wave at Waimea. You'll often see four or five people. Yeah, it's not the dropping in. It's the inability to angle your board both of them could have ridden that wave no problem they were there was plenty of space between them uh yeah i mean maybe maybe owens would have gotten ripped up in the in the whitewash after it broke after a little bit but not, not the way it happened no and it wasn't even a big day it was a medium day and this was a smaller to medium sized wave but chris owens was on the actual like uh bowl you know like he's taking off on a legit bowl this other guy is on the shoulder. Like he was taking off on like a easy kind of uh, access entry point. And so Chris, because he's on the bowl, has to kind of fit the contour of the wave and catch the projection off the bottom towards the shoulder. The kook is dropping straight in on the shoulder. And so that's where the collision happens. But additionally in that photo, the kook's running over somebody else's board too. So he not only, yes. Oh, I didn't even, I thought that was, I, for some reason thought that was Chris Owens board, but of course no. it was impossible. Chris Owens board was, would have been trailing behind him. Yeah. And you could see in the first photo, that guy paddling out. Yeah. So okay. that guy, who, so that guy's paddling out in the foreground. Then there's Chris kind of on the bowl. And then there's the kook on the shoulder. The kook should have just not gone. I mean, he shouldn't have even gone. If there's somebody deeper in that position and there's somebody right in front of you, just back out. But at any rate, he went and he went straight into both people. The what? I mean, what do you think was the uh, yeah repercussions for the kook? Do you think he was dealt any punishment? I don't know. I was really hoping that over the course of a couple of days, he yeah he'd get outed because that always happens, you know. And maybe, maybe he has been on some level, but he hasn't been outed publicly on Instagram. I mean, my goodness gracious, though. Like, I don't know how many times or how many different ways you can say it. I suppose that's the problem is, and not that, yeah, I'm going to just go ahead and say it. That's the problem is none of those kooks are consuming any kind of media. And so any kind of surf media, which if they were consuming any kind of surf media, I think you would learn pretty quickly you don't want to do that, right? These guys are probably COVID. I mean, this guy was a COVID surfer. Right? He's obviously surfing by man. I'm sure he's surfing for a while, but I'm sure they live in a bubble of, I can do it. 
which no, you cannot do it. If that's the way you surf, if that's the way you surf out of Waimea, and again, watching that, did we talk about the LA surfers, the El Porto clip that I stuck on Instagram or stuck on? We, we talked about that last week. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Th- seeing those guys, imagining those guys thinking, I'm paddling in a big El Porto, man. I can paddle in a Waimea, where look at yourself, surf. You fully suck. Like you cannot. If, if you could turn your board, then maybe that's a step. Maybe then start, you know, going out and surfing some bigger waves here and there and work over to Waimea. But you cannot turn your surfboard. You cannot turn your surfboard. You do not belong out there. Completely. Uh, by the way, just as a side note um, about that LA clip, somebody messaged me or emailed me after our last show and said, Every, everything you just said about LA surfers is true. And I have to say, it's one of the most underrated aspects of surfing in LA. Everyone sucks and it gives the lifelong adequate surfers amazing sessions despite heavy crowds. That's the point. Yeah, like, which I like, thank you. Uh, that's what we call a silver lining right there. That is a fine, exactly a fine post. Exactly. Um, as it relates to the YMA incident though, uh, Hawaiian lifeguard Joey Cadiz has come out swinging after legendary big wave ocean surfer and ocean paddler Chris Owens was hospitalized following the collision. This is from Derek Riley on Beach Grit. Joey said, quote, no more of this BS. Anyone that doesn't belong in here is being sent in. He said, no more entitled individuals that buy a gun and think they can surf Waimea. People that can barely swim, dependent, they are dependent upon their flotation and uh, luck in by shoulder hopping, you all are done. I train for the worst possible situations and I'm ready for it, but not what I go out there. Uh, but this is not what I go out there for. Take a good moment to think about your abilities, training, preparation, and awareness before you paddle out. I mean, and that's what I guess I'll extend my critique of these guys not consuming media. They should be consuming like local North Shore people's Instagrams, right? Like Cadiz's warning should land directly on people who think, you know, he's right. I was saving up my money to buy a gun because I, I surfed Swamis at overhead and I thought I was ready for why I'm at. But upon further consideration, I'm going to train some more. They probably, I mean, honestly, they probably do overestimate their ability levels but they may be fit it's like they may go to crossfit they may have a six pack and all that sort of stuff but none of that will prepare you for ymea no and there's like a none of that prepares you for uh like the social aspects of ymea right again not going not going straight exactly like i I Um, mean how many times like during the eddy in particular you'll see four or five guys take off on a wave and again, I guess I've already said it, that the inside guy will eventually get eaten by whitewash, but he won't, none of them will run into each other. They'll all right. like, you know, they'll all be okay because they know how to so do it. You ask the question about what were the repercussions for this surfer? And um, maybe he won't get outed. Maybe he disappeared that day without anybody knowing, but what is appropriate? Like, you know, I know we're past the point in human evolution where a beat down on the beach would be appropriate, but you have to wonder if one guy ends up in the hospital and there's no 
repercussions for like, there's no way for him to seek retribution against the other guy. I mean, can he sue the other surfer? Maybe he can sue the other surfer. No. Maybe Chris Owens could sue the sue the offending surfer. But it's like if you're gonna if that guy can get put in the hospital and there's no legal ramifications for what the kook did, it's very unjust. I mean, but look at even as reminds me of remember the four point foiler. Yeah, yeah. And so for those who don't remember, there was a guy foiling at a kind of famous San Francisco novelty wave foiling through the lineup uh lost his board is foiled you know machete that got bashed on the rocks by locals uh so then he went back out a couple weeks later whatever it was and had a redemption session where he went and he did it again right and so derek and i had him on the podcast dirty water uh he didn't know which podcast he was coming on or he went to agree i don't think but his his uh justification for what he did was wild he felt totally justified for foiling there in the first place totally justified going back which i'd imagine like his mindset it's almost worth dredging that back up and reposting it in terms of this is the mindset of the modern kook is ignorance arrogance and like self-justification for anything and so this guy i'm sure will will feel i went and caught that wave yeah maybe i you know, dropped in, but you don't drop in at Wyoming, right? Like it's a, this is just what happens. So that guy ran into me. I was on that wave. You know, I mean, the ability of people just to, to not feel bad about themselves when the, the response, there shouldn't need to be a beat down on the beach. That guy should have gone home and said, I put a guy in his, in the hospital, taken a rock to his own gun and said, I will never do that again. I will next time I'm at Wyoming, if I ever go back again, I'll be prepared and go. There's plenty of like weird, bigger ish Northern go paddle stick at ocean beach all day, every day. Right. Like there's places where you can be out of the way and riding bigger surf. Go learn. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I think you're right that that surfer may not even understand that he was in the wrong because if you are a Val and you don't understand the etiquette, all that nuance is lost on you. And so he could justify in his own mind. I've seen four surfers on every wave out here at Waimea. So why would I not be allowed to go on this wave? It doesn't matter that that guy was on the bowl and I wasn't. We're both entitled to this wave. He ran into me. I was exactly. going straight. That guy turned and came into me. So it's then, his fault. And then on top of that, uh, there was a kook who was paddling out who couldn't get out of the way and maybe right. run over his board. I mean, that in in the Val kook mindset, that guy could think I was dealt two injustices on that wave. I'm going to go back out to Waimea and snag one off anyone I want. Anytime these conversations come up of hierarchy, localism, blah blah blah, every there's a lot. There's a shocking amount of the commenters on Instagram or social media that complain that it's an archaic system and they say you know we've evolved past that the ocean is for everybody well what they don't understand is that the system's in place for a reason and if the val does have the mindset that we just described then it's pure chaos in the lineup so there there are rules that need to be in place maybe the former rules aren't ideal but until a val shows up with a better set of rules that everybody can agree to, there has to be some order. 
I mean, there's, uh, that's what I, again, with these, with two shock action sports deaths in, in, you know, within four days time, uh, it's going to be awful when somebody does get killed out at a place where they shouldn't be killed at because somebody who had no business being out there was being reckless. Well, I don't know if you remember just like a month ago at Nazare, um, a ski driver landed on the back of a surfer, on a, a paddle surfer. I remember that, but was it, who was the, was the ski driver incompetent? I can't remember if it was just a freak accident or if there was incompetence involved. I think it was a lack of competence. I don't know who it was, but it wasn't like a well-known tow team. It, and in fact, it was a day that was paddleable. So the tow team shouldn't have even been out there. It was just that they were trying to learn how to tow on a smaller day. But of course, there's people surfing on a smaller day, paddle surfing. Oh, it's just, I mean, it's, it's brutal. It is. Yeah. I wish there could be a giant PSA. President Joe Biden should make that part of his next administration. We're, we're doing the PSA here. Yeah. Um, let's do uh, two headlines from True Grit or Clickbait Crap before we go to commercial. Number one, quote, an unexpected scholastic smack. World's most recognized surfer Kelly Slater tops list of words or phrases that should be banished in 2023. It's true. It is true. The uh, actual word that should be banished or so a university, I think it's a Michigan, correct me if I'm wrong. I think the university of, I don't know. I think it was Michigan. Uh, Every year they do a list of the top 10 words that need to go away, right? The professors get together and discuss words in our vocabulary that have either become misused, overused, or uh, used to the point of irrelevance, right? And number one this year was the word goat uh, and included on the list, they were going on and saying, the reason this is a dumb word is because it's impossible. Who, who can ever be the greatest of all time of anything? And, and, then ga- and how can you measure anything to anything else? And so, but included in the list, was Kelly Slater as, as like a sort of mocking of they were giving real, like the way the article was written, giving real goats and then saying, and included in this list, of course, surfing, Kelly, surfing's Kelly Slater and, you know, badminton's whoever. Well, six months ago, we suggested that this word get canceled because it was just being overused. What, what did, what word did we have? Uh, Was it best of Bolt, something. <laughs> we, had a, we had a different one that meant the same thing. I, for, I forget ninety percent of what we're talking about, <laughs> so I don't remember that. But I do remember us being like, "God, can we please stop using the word goat?" And it was—it's yep. partially because everybody refers to Kelly that way now, but it was more so for me because everybody's using it for, you know, everybody else. Everybody's using it for average people and referring to them as the goat because they like them this week, basically. Yep. And that's, and that's sort of the, the, yeah, that's how Kelly, I mean, that's the tone of why goat should be banished, but it was the number one word. It wasn't even number five or eight, number one. Yeah. There was only one other word on the list that I felt could have been a contender for the number one spot. And that is gaslighting. I was going to say gaslighting every time I read it or not every time, uh, Billie Eilish, I was just reading, I think even yesterday, 
how her body was gaslighting her as a as a kid. And so often with gaslighting, I'm like, what do you, and then I have to go Google again. I think I've Googled the definition for gaslighting a hundred times this year. What is it? So what is the definition? Gaslighting is to try to get someone to think that their experience or reality is wrong for them to basically question their reality. Correct. So uh, I never heard the phrase, the word, up until one year ago. And in this last year, I now hear it a hundred times a day. Yep. And I, to be honest, people using it to fit the definition that you just s- described is only, I'm going to say 60 out of those 100 uses a day. 40% of them are, are incorrect uses. I think people use it all the time to, he gaslit me as in, he told me something wrong. Like he told me yeah. uh, something that was untrue. So he was gaslighting, exactly. which is, exactly. yeah, that's not gaslighting, but gaslighting definitely needs to go away. Goats and gaslighting. Goodbye. Three G's right Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Uh, the other clickbait or true grit article is, quote, surf fans go berserk in attempt to read tea leaves as World Surf League head of tours releases cryptic in-out list ahead of the 2023 season. Totally true totally factual and true. And here we go at the start of 2023. Both Eric Logan and I think I got her title wrong. I think she's actually the head of competitions, senior vice president of tours, or maybe whichever it is. She has a really long title. But anyway, Jesse Miley-Dyer, as long as you, from your official and as an official World Surf League executive, are going to post things like this on your Instagram that are both vaguely WSL related and veg- and vaguely personal related, I suppose. It's all fair game. Imagine if Roger Goodell or, you know, uh, I don't know, Joe Biden or anybody, any official, any, you know, executive in an organization was using this platform nonstop and engaging a social platform nonstop. Uh, I'd say probably a good what, 90% of Jesse Miley Dyer's posts are related to the WSL. And so throwing something like this here, I'm going to say this is related to the WSL too. So it's cryptic. What does she mean by in and out? Who's in and who's out? How does this relate to professional surfing in 2023? Well, when did these in and out lists even begin? Is this a brand new thing or do do people do this every year? No, it's got to be a, it's got to be a this year TikTok trend. Yeah, it really seems to be. Well, on Jesse Miley Dyer's in list, things that are in for 2023, confidence as a choice, neon wetsuits, leaving your Kindle in a plane seat every three trips, cryptic Taylor Swift lyrics, hairbrushes, friends to take on the world with, purpose-based goals. Boom, right there. So imagine and read all of those through the lens of World Surfing. They get all of them get better. When you look at each, what does each one of those means as it relates to the world surfing? Confidence is a choice. I suppose you could Philippe, apply that. I mean, Philippe Toledo, I think it's only a shot across his bow. I think they're saying, Philippe, this coming year at Chobu, choose to be confident. Gotcha. Yes, that is an assault then. Yep. Uh, on, on her out list, Twitter. Owning more than one leg rope at a time, apologizing, going goblin mode, three fins, the same size in your board, 
gluten, typing to trolls on the internet, goals related to your appearance. That's weird. It's all, all, all of them are weird, most particularly, and I guess precisely related to the YMA kook apologizing. Jesse Miley Dyer is like one of them here. Like, hey man, do something wrong. Don't apologize. Right. I mean, uh, take, apologizing being out, how is apologizing out? I have no idea what she's no even idea. beginning to refer to there. Like doing something wrong and honestly owning up to it. Is a very adult is a very adult thing. <laughs> um, the goals based on your appearance is out. Yeah, I mean, goals I guess best. maybe maybe she's saying like the goal if they even if they improve your appearance, they should be related to your health more than your appearance. You shouldn't be focused on your appearance. But well, I don't know a single. Potato. I don't need. I don't know a single human being who isn't concerned about their appearance. I mean, my goodness, are you kidding me? Like that her outlist is so uh, dumbly naive and uh, I mean, just virtue. It's just virtue signaling. I mean, it's, but it's like naive entitlement at such a level that uh, like the whole thing as it relates to the World Surf League again at the end of the day is just the tiny bubble the whole thing operates in. Yeah, completely. Where I'm sure... Everybody just nodded their heads in the, who's well, all four people in Santa Monica nodded their heads and said, yes, it's exactly what 2023's ins and outs are. Well, just to your point about as somebody who represents the league and she's using a lot of her posts uh, in that role and in that capacity. So how do you distinguish which ones aren't a reflection of the league's kind of uh, official messaging? Position. Yeah. Official position. Yeah. She, the graphic that she designed for this is a WSL graphic. Yeah. Well, it, but then it's her, it's her standing at a podium at a WSL event with all the world champs banners behind her. And it's the same blue, yellow and white and lettering and font and graphic that they use on their yeah. official Instagram. It's, post. it's an official world surf league post as far as I'm concerned. And so there we go. That is the official apo- apologizing is as out is the official, which, I mean, I guess that makes sense. I can't remember when the World Surf League said sorry for anything, including uh, adding Kelly Slater's surf ranch back on to the 2023 World Tour. Or or Carissa Moore losing the world champion, yeah. the world title, despite having more points than anybody else by more than one event. Um, well, good news is we won't see them go goblin mode in 2023, in you case you were concerned. Do you know what goblin mode is? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't either. I, but it's also that wasn't a thing in 2022. It's as if like <laughs> it's as if like uh, gaslighting was so big. Not so now we're canceling that. It's goblin mode wasn't the thing of 2022. I don't. I don't even know what it is. Maybe it was. Maybe we're just unaware of the goblin mode was the thing of 2022. Again, it's got to be a TikTok thing. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, let's go to a commercial break and uh, we'll come back with one final news story and then Barrow or not. Great. Well, hey, uh, we don't have to hit it super hard because we do all the time, but it's worth mentioning for people who have a New Year's resolution related to their health and wellness 
athleticgreens.com slash surf is the simplest, easiest, best in class, most efficient way to uh, cure all of your dietary needs. Hey, guess who got stomach flu on this trip to Utah? Somebody who didn't bring their AG1? Everyone in the family. Guess who didn't get stomach flu on this trip to Utah? The one person taking AG1. Exactly. Boom. Right as rain every morning. That's the thing. And it is in uh, AG's mess, AG1's messaging, the gut health component and the digestive component. But I don't think we really hit it that often when we talk about it on air. But it has digestive enzymes in it, in the mix. And I hear so many people in my age group complaining about their stomachs getting weird as they get older. Maybe it's stress. Maybe it's your body can't process things as much. I've had zero issue. And so AG. I attribute it to AG1. Everyone should get it. Dot com slash surf. Yeah. Athleticgreens.com slash surf. Hiring for a small business is critical. It's imperative that you find a highly qualified professional to treat and grow your business with the same care and detail that you do. LinkedIn Jobs will be your next big unlock. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team fast and for free. Everybody is already on LinkedIn with their resume and their references. So the fact that LinkedIn built a hiring platform to connect the dots between everything is simple genius. It's way more sophisticated than a job board. It's a vast network of more than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set, desire, ambition all in an effort to help us advance our position. And it's easy to use and intuitive. So effective that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Fast hiring solutions means achieving your goals in record time with rapid growth in 2024. LinkedIn Jobs will even help you write the job descriptions and give you tools and prompts to help you interview your candidate like a pro. LinkedIn.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. And you can let the world's largest social network of business professionals work to connect you with the ideal candidate to help you grow your business. That is LinkedIn.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. 
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. All right, Chaz, uh, quick news story before we go to Barrel or Not. The Inertia sold. Can you believe it? The Inertia sold for millions of dollars. What, yeah, millions, right? Do you have any idea what the number is? No, I, I got a hit. Derek really went digging for it. And so I, he said millions, right? It was millions. It was why would you sell it for less than millions? I mean, it, you, it would have to be in the millions. Um, and I would imagine their ad revenue justifies multiples of millions. All dig, all Gear Digital, the company that bought them, had just completed a round of funding for $40 million. So presumably that was allocated. Some of that was allocated to the inertia. It's funny. I know I uh, have some good media friends know a couple who work for companies who get funding and then acquire other companies, every single one of them is failing. Really? Yeah, like they cannot, the, what they promise in order, in terms of return to get that kind of investment dollar, you know, you have to say, hey, we're gonna give whatever X earnings. Uh, and apparently from what I understand, you used to be able to promise that kind of stuff. And, you know, like media was, what it was and whatever. And so you just went out and promised and got your funding and then whatever, who, you know, who knows how funding works, like write off for somebody, whatever. Like, but these days money is expensive. And so they will go, uh, they're all like calling in. They're saying, Hey, you promised us this, where is it? And so everybody's having to slash panic, try to figure out how to make any money at all, where all of these are still, I bet the inertia doesn't make money. I bet I'd it may be surprised if it doesn't. What are their expenses? I mean, they have, uh, this is probably pretty lean, but I bet they don't make money. I bet they make enough to pay uh, salaries to the, you know, whoever they are, Alex Haro and who, however many people work for it. I bet they're paying salaries and that's it. I've seen them running a ton of advertising for probably a decade now. And seemingly on a very lean business model. Like a lot of their content is user submitted. It's a WordPress site that you can just have freelancers help you manage and navigate. And there's three people on staff or something like that. I mean, I'd be shocked if they're making anything other than basically covering operating costs. Yeah. Well, enough to justify however many millions for the purchase number. I mean, I'll but, be real curious to see what happens with the old inertia. They're in, they're at home now in a group with other shit sites. Yeah, well, um, they this bodes well for you and I. I yeah. predicted this two or three weeks ago. I was like, dude, We're the way the landscape has shifted, we're in line to get acquired. Just scooped right up. Exactly. So we'll be waiting for that call. Yep, can't wait. Um, 
So in this week's Bear or Not, this is the first episode of 2023. Happy New Year to everybody. How was your New Year's, by the way? Oh, it was great. Up in Hollywood, uh, rang in the New Year in the Hollywood Tower, which is, and those, I forget how great they are, architecturally protected buildings in Los Angeles are phenomenal, especially if it's a hotel, especially if it's a hotel with big old windows that you can swing wide open because you can't change the architecture. So in a great suite in the Hollywood Tower, windows swung wide, fireworks popping off in the rainy horizon over Hollywood. It's a great night. How was, was yours? It just you and, was it just you and your wife or did you have nope, kids? No, it was me and friends and wife. Oh, okay. Wives and wives and friends. Did you make it to midnight? did made it to midnight good for you um mine was good the wedding that we went to oh uh, yeah how'd that go rained well, out it was a backyard right rained out and windied out like it wasn't just rain it was you know gale not gale force but like strong winds so it yep. was uh it was an Guess who deal. it serves right exactly i know who. I- I hope I hope that you were rubbing it in the entire time, like, hey man, you know, if you would have ended at midnight, it's probably wouldn't have happened. Exactly. Well, we were glad to get out of there. We were glad it didn't end at midnight because we were glad to get out of the rain, um, and went back to the hotel. The other thing that happened is the groom got so drunk he did not make it to the end of the night. Oh wow! Well, this wedding sounds kind of awesome now. I know it's a rough move. I'm, I like the guy we're friends actually. And, uh, I'm not, I'm not, um, shaming him in any way, but it's a rough move, dude. You got to stay awake. The night of your wedding, you got to stay awake. It got to that point. Yeah. But he said in front of a lot of people in mixed company, and I think the bride's parents, even as he, as things were headed South for him, he sat down at one point and he goes, Ah, God, I don't think I'm going to be able to perform tonight. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and my then goodness. The, the, the older women in the room who are like motherly, they're like, it's okay. Don't worry about it. The morning is just as good. You can wait till the morning. Just rest up. Yeah, right. Just think he's going to wake up hungover in the morning and realize that he's still not married because he did not consummate. Exactly. I just, yeah, I mean, obviously... Um, if you have a pent up energy and excitement for an event, sometimes you overdo it. But I would I would advise for anybody listening who's going to be getting married at some point in the future, stay sober, enjoy, try to absorb every moment. You can get drunk whenever you want any other day of the year. Try to enjoy every moment. And then, of course, enjoy your time with your partner. I don't know that now that you mentioned this, that I've ever seen that at a wedding. I've definitely seen loose grooms and brides, of course. But I've always, I guess, just assumed that the adrenaline would would overpower the booze always it probably does to a certain degree like if you normally got drunk at this level maybe it would take you a little bit more to get drunk because of the adrenaline but i i i'm wondering how many what is the percentage of people who don't consummate their marriage on the wedding night that's a great question but let's let's do a instagram poll (laughs) can we and what yeah, I, and we can. Sure, we can. Um, as with so many of our other topics, I don't, it's not related to surfing at all. So people might be very confused if they had not heard this conversation. But I, I really think it'd be, it'd be an interesting number to find out. And I'd be curious, 
what that number is for a first marriage versus a second marriage versus a third marriage, you know? I mean, shoot, I might go back and get my PhD in the subject because I'd also be curious as to uh, what percentages or, or is it similar divorce rates on marriages that were consummated the first night versus unconsummated the first night? Great question. I mean, there is a lot to, there is a lot to unpack. This is a dissertation. Each time you, you kind of go down that rabbit hole, there's five other questions that I want the answer to. I mean, completely, completely. But let's start with an Instagram poll. Did you consummate yeah. your mar- your marriage on the first night? Yeah. I, I mean, I really feel like it's a harbinger of something if you don't. I mean, I would think so too. Yeah. Well, moving on. Uh, barrel or not for the new year. A lot of people come up with New Year's resolutions. I have three that um, I can make arguments for, but I want to toss them out to you and you can decide, are these barrel for New Year's resolutions? Should we be advising our listeners to do these or not? Barrel or not? Handwriting letters. Uh, What about for thank you letters? I love it. I love it. I love getting them. I love... uh, making my daughter write them i think for a, for a child sorry i'm gonna go more to the light here it's, you know, it's okay. dark hole. uh for children i think it's super important i think it creates thoughtfulness you know i'm gonna take this back and say barrel because writing takes yeah. time and and so you get to be more thoughtful if you're handwriting barrel it's a hundred percent barrel i do really only use this for thank you letters but as i was prepping for the show i was thinking i should just start using it for actual letter like i should write letters, letters. occasionally to people yeah like rather than an email or you know these are my thoughts about somebody who i haven't talked to for a while write it all down send it to them great great idea barrel think how impactful that would be totally well let this be a new year's resolution for some people then make a habit out of writing letters um barrel or not number two calling your parents and or siblings on the phone yeah i'm gonna say it's barrel though i don't i don't do it nearly as much as i should that's my point that's why it should be a resolution yeah okay barrel and i lauren and her siblings her sisters call each other all the time i mean like daily and we'll just be sitting on, like, we'll get to the end of our work day. She and I have a little time together. Her phone rings. It's a sibling. She picks it up. I'm I'm getting pissed because it's cutting into our time. And they'll have a conversation about nothing. It's just like checking in. Oh, my gosh. Guess what happened to me at work today? Blah, 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 blah. Five, 10-minute conversation. And like, okay, love you. Talk to you later. Hang up. I'm like, what was that? She goes, oh, we like each other. That's what we, we communicate because we like each other. I'm like, hey, wait a second. I have three brothers. I like them, but you know, maybe I should be calling them. I'm thinking it's, she's it, doing it right and I'm doing it wrong. It's really true. It's really true. And I feel that it's so easy not to. Like the easy thing is not to, but then everything goes cold pretty quick. And then it becomes like the inertia of not calling. Just become, that's what it is. And then to pick up the phone and actually call then feels weird. Like if you just do it every day to jibber jabber, that really is the way to do it. It is meaningful. And you could send, I think we all probably send texts occasionally to those people, but it's not the same as calling them. No. Yeah. And and certainly siblings, but um, 
parents. parents, I think, would love to hear from you. Yep, a barrel. Yep, barrel. Uh, final barrel or not, creating a dream board to help manifest your goals. I'm going to say barrel. I'm going to say barrel, David Lee Scales. Uh, I have seen, I don't believe necessarily in the magic of that sort of thing, but I maybe I kind of do. Like, daughter will do it, will like stick something, young daughter, stick something on a wall. And she won't do the whole board necessarily, but, and then that thing will come true. Uh, where I think having something, a visual representation of what your goals are that you can, that's always kind of assaulting you, that's in your face. Naturally, I think you are drawn down that path, whether you want to be or not, just because it's always there. And so you're going to take steps to come closer to that thing, just even subconsciously. I think so too. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely for this. What would you put on your dream board? I mean, that's the thing is I realize a lot of my dreams now are tied up in my kids. Uh, and I realize that's great and all, but like, I should have real things that I'm still pursuing or else you, I get stagnant. And so I suppose this year, the dream board is going to be acquisition of, uh, the grit podcast by, uh, a larger network or who do we want to get acquired by? Joe Rogan, where does, who acquires podcasts? That's a great question. Um, you know, who should is the churning group who bought Surfline or not yeah. bought Surfline, but invested that 30 million bucks into Surfline because they're in the, they're now playing in the surf space. What they've done with the other brands that they've invested in, um, uh, meat, meat eater. I don't know if you're familiar with meat. Eater. Yeah. I look at me, but it's incredible what they've done. Uh, what, first of all, Steve Ranilla did with that prior to that acquisition. Uh, but then what they've done with it since then, leveraging all their back channels and everything, uh, barstool sports they were involved in, you know, so taking these niche things that have like a core community and then helping them build out content to reach the masses, you know, like I'm not interested in hunting, but I watch their stuff and I'm interested in what they're doing because they've made it so interesting to somebody who doesn't hunt. That would be the exact same thing that they could do with surfing. Yeah. in acquired by them, write a couple more books. Uh, yeah. That that's going to be on my dream board, I guess this year. Perfect. What's yours? Put it up. On, um, yeah. I like that first one. I would also put a property in a desirable location would be number one on mine. Great. Love it. And then, and then next year, a second property in a second desirable location would be another one. Snowbird. Come snowbird. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, enjoy the trip. How, how much longer are you there? Uh, driving home. So I think, or me and daughter are driving home, but I have to be home the ninth. So sometime between before the ninth, I guess, or on the ninth, maybe. Good. Well, enjoy the snow. Thank you. Will do. I'm going to enjoy my All right. health. Yep, exactly. All right. Maybe we'll catch each other in person next week. For sure. Next week. Uh, okay, cool. Until then. Bon voyage.
And don't forget to post your job for free at linkedin.com slash surf. That's linkedin.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.